Hey, uh, we're really glad you guys are back today. We've got we've got a guest today, and um, one of the one of the good things about our church, one of the things I love about our church, is that we've got some awesome awesome overseers that take good care of us, that keep an eye on us, that that watch us, that, that um, listen to our sermons, to make sure they correct anything that I say that I shouldn't say. And um, and so one of our overseers is here today. Um, Joey is going to come and speak to us today. He has a church over in. Um, over out in Tampa, and they, they drove over to speak to us today. And uh, God is doing an amazing thing at their church. They had almost 900 people. They're, they're a little bit older than us, but they had almost 900 people last week for Easter. And uh, God's just doing something in their, in their city um, through, through Joey and April and their three kids. Um, their three kids aren't here today. I would introduce them to you. But April's here today, and she's the best part about him and Joey, just like Diana's the best part about us. So if we could today, can we stand to our feet and put our hands together for one of our overseers, Joey? Atkins, come on, put your hands together. Act like you're God to see him. Awesome. You can have a seat. I know that's new for you guys. You're like, man, I just sat down. Appreciate that. Come on, love you, bro. Thanks, man. Come on, baby. Come on. Come on. Can we give Jesus one more hand for all that he does for us? He is a good, good God. Amen. Amen. Come on, you got to get used to me. I like talk back. Are you ready to talk back? Come on, are you really ready? All right, all right. I'm excited about being here. Uh, as Pastor Wes said, uh, we've known each other for a long time. He spoke at my church back in June, and uh, when he did that, he told a lot of stories about me. And I just want you to know that I'm going to extend grace to you, and I'm not going to say a single thing about you other than, are you ready, church? Are you really ready? Come on, I don't think you're ready. That Diana chose me first before she chose your pastor, Wesley Beecham. But because, see, you think I'm joking because you're looking at this fat white guy on stage. I'm for real. She chose me first, but I was taken, and so she went second best, which happened to be first best in her life. Would you stand and give honor where honor is due to your pastors, Wesley and Diana Beecham? Give them a big hand for all that they do for you. Come on, you can get louder than that. They're good people that love you, that care for you, that pour into you, that guide and direct you. Amen. You can be seated. We are excited about being here. We get to be an extended family. How many of you know you didn't know that you have some family in Ruskin, Florida? And uh, we are over there. If you don't know where Ruskin is, it's just south of Tampa, about 25 minutes south of Tampa. And we get an opportunity to pray for you guys. When you guys were having your Easter services, we posted it all over our social media saying, go check out Hope Church if you live in Winter Garden. And it's an honor and it's a privilege to be with you today. And I went, to, I went this way as I was kind of preparing this week, and it's actually I was seeking the Lord. I just went like this, and if you've never been around preachers, this is the way it should work every single week, is I just said, Lord, what does Hope Church need today? What is it that they need? What is it that they need to hear? What is it that they are deeply desiring to receive from you today? And I just said, God, would you implant that into my spirit? And as you implant it into my spirit, would you how, how, allow me to communicate it effectively so that your people can receive what you want from them today? So more importantly, are you ready to hear from the Holy Spirit today? 
You see, I, I love I love the emotionalness of worship sets. I love that that Diana didn't prepare to get emotional. I love that she didn't manufacture that in the moment. And when we sing the song, Set a Fire My Soul, there's no other place I'd rather be. Maybe you know this and maybe you don't know this. The reason why that is a true statement is because of this. Because in God's presence, all things can happen. In God's presence, reconciliation can happen. In God's presence, healing can happen. In God's presence, your marriage can be healed. In God's presence, you can be healed of that cancer. In God's presence, he actually can bring that person into your life. And here's what I believe. Here's what the Lord gave to me. And I just want to give it to you this morning. And this is what the Lord said. Hope Church needs to believe again. You need to believe again. As I look at this room, by the way, you look fantastic. Come on, tell the person next to you they look great. Now tell the person you were rude to that you didn't say they look great to and tell them they look great on the other side of you. But here's what I know. You need to believe again. Many of you, you walked in and your marriage isn't what you want it to be. You got married and you set out and you had a great couple years and as you got down the road, you go, man, this is not at all what I thought it was going to be. Some of you, you thought you were going to live a long life and for some reason, you have this ailment to your body. Maybe it's a back pain. Maybe it's a lung thing. Maybe it's a foot thing. Maybe it's cancer. I don't know what it is. And you sought out, are you following me, church? Are you following me? You sought out believing but then somewhere along the way, you stopped believing. You lost the faith that you needed to to get past the thing that God allowed. He didn't will it, but he allowed it to happen to your life. And here's what I want to do. We went through a series at our church uh, last series ago. We went through the book of James. And we spent the entire, we spent six weeks going through the book of James. And I want to give you the last installment of the series that we went through in the book of James. So if you have your Bible, turn to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. If you don't have your Bible, still turn to James chapter 5, all right? Come on, that was funny. I don't care what you say. Care what you say. James chapter 5. Let me read it to you. Uh, I'll be up here. I'll be down here. Let me read the scripture to you. James chapter 5, verse 13. We're going to read verse 13 through verse 19, uh, but we're going to pause after verse 16 until the end of the message. 13 says this. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Now, I want you to notice something, the frequency of the word prayer in this passage. You'll notice several times in this passage, there's three words that go hand in hand. Prayer, faith, and healing. Say prayer. Say faith. Say healing. Healing. Some of you, you're not going to raise your hand because you're in church. But some of you need to be healed of something. Some of you need to be fixed of something. Some of you need to be directed in some way. Some of you need something healed in your life. And my objective is just to give you what the Holy Spirit wants to give to you today. So if any of you are sick, if any of you are sick, you should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing songs of 
praises. This word praises, if you study it in the Greek, you'll notice that it doesn't necessarily mean get up in front of church and sing, although singing is a part of it. It means you need to pray and seek the face of your heavenly Father. Verse 14, are any of you sick? If you've been here and you're here, you, you may be in a situation where you are sick, you are hurt. Maybe it's a physical ailment or maybe it's an emotional, spiritual, uh, a mental, a something where you need to be healed. You need the faith to believe again that God wants to heal you. You should call for the elders of the church to come over and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, let me explain this verse to you because it can get a little squirrely, this verse. Here's what it's saying. If you are sick, if you are sick, if you need healed in some direction, the Bible says James, the half-brother of Jesus Christ, is saying to you, and he is saying to me, if you need healing, go to the elders of the church. Now, what are the elders of the church, the leadership of the church? and anoint them with oil. What in the world is the deal with oil? Now, I don't know about this church, but we do at our church. In the front of our church, we have uh, oil there. You say, what's so cool about oil? There's nothing significant about the oil. It's just like baptism and communion. They are both symbols of what Jesus Christ has done for you. How many know when you get baptized, you don't necessarily get saved in the baptism water? It's a symbol of what God's already done for you. How many of you know that? How many of you know communion, when you take communion, I don't know when you've done communion. We did communion last week for Easter Sunday, and I took my wafer, and I took my juice, and I ate it. I didn't eat the actual blood and body of Jesus Christ. How many of you are thankful for that? But it's a symbol. It's a symbol. It's a symbol of what Jesus Christ has done for you. The oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And he's saying to us, if you're sick, if you need healing, if you need your circumstances changed, Go to the elders of the church, go to the leadership, and allow them to lay hands on you, anoint you with oil, and so that you will be healed. Say healed. Verse 16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. The earnest prayer of the righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Now, let me tell you, let me tell you about healing. Now, healing's a, a controversial topic, especially in a non-denominational church. So let me give you both extremes, and I'm going to be careful to not say left side and right side in this political season. Amen? Okay? So there's a direct this side of what healing is. And people on this side, it's called the confessionalist model. Or here's what they would say. There are some movements that would say, if I ask God, he has a right to heal me of my problem. And all I need is to have the faith for him to heal me, and he will heal me every single time. It's the name it and claim it, believe it and receive it model. And the problem with this model, you've been there and I've been there. You've asked God to heal you. You've asked your circumstances to change. You've asked that thing to look differently. You've prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, and guess what? Your thing hasn't changed. Anybody like that? It hasn't changed. And so what happens? You get self-condemning in yourself, and you go, well, man, there must be some sort of sin in my life. I must have something wrong with me. And then there's a whole other side that's all the way over here. And these are people that say, you know what? Jesus doesn't heal anymore. He stopped that when the Bible was completed. He stopped healing people, and he doesn't heal anymore. 
And let me just tell you, look me eyeball to eyeball, let me tell you, Jesus hasn't closed up shop when it comes to healing. And that deserves an amen and a clap of your hands that the healing shop of Jesus Christ has not closed up when you pray to him. It didn't stop 2,000 years ago when the Bible was completed. God still heals, he heals, he heals, he heals, he heals. But what takes your healing? Faith and prayer. Faith and prayer. Let me give you three things, three observations about this passage, and then on number three of this first three, I want to give you three things about number three, if that makes any sense to you. It'll make sense as we go along. Three observations about this passage in James chapter five. If you're not taking notes, take notes. If you didn't think about taking notes, take notes, because I say this all the time to my church, and I'm going to say it to my best friend's church. The greatest sermon ever preached, listen, the greatest sermon ever preached is the one that's lived out on Monday morning. It's the greatest. You are not in church today for today. You're in church today for tomorrow. You're in church today when Tuesday morning you wake up and you got gum in your hair because your kid put gum in their hair. And it's now in your hair. You need, a, you, you need it for Wednesday morning when you, when you get up and your kids aren't ready for school and you told them 18 times to get up but they didn't get up. You need to understand God is with you on Wednesday morning. All right? So I just want to fill your tank up. So three things. Number one is this. God still heals people. Can I get an amen there? See, there are a lot of people in my church, and I'm sure in this church, they have a story of healing. We have people in our church, they went to the doctor, the doctor said, you have this problem, you have six months to live, go home and get your affairs in order, and they've went back to the doctor after people have prayed over them, after they had the, the leadership. Let me, let me say this to you. Let me say this to you, especially I don't know what your background is. Maybe you, you, you came from a background like I have before, and you've seen this before if you come from the other side. You, you've seen for churches the, the people will walk down the aisle, and they need healing. And what do they do? Because only the pastor can heal them because he's super spiritual. And so they'll come forward. If you've ever been in those churches, you know what I'm talking about. And there'll be an offering bucket right here. And if you put $10 in the offering bucket, the pastor will lower himself down. And he will lay his hands on you. And by the power of his hand on your forehead, you get your healing. And I want to tell you, that's bull. There's no power in you. The power is, there's no power of you. There's only power in you. And the Bible says the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives inside of you. You're not any more spiritual than me, and I'm not any more spiritual than you. God still heals people. But this verse is frustrating. Let me read it to you. 2 Timothy 4, 18 says this. Yes, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil attack. Are you thankful for that? God will heal you. He wants to heal you. He wants you to believe again. He wants to give you the faith again so that he can heal you. And he will bring you safely into your heavenly kingdom. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. So let's leave that verse up there. So it says, God will deliver me from every attack, which says this, God wants to heal you. And then it goes on to say this, which kind of can look controversial. It says this, and he'll bring you safely into your heavenly kingdom. So my question for you, smart, gifted, talented people of Winter Garden, of Hope Church, which one is it? The answer is both. See, they're both miracles. When Jesus heals you of your ailment, this side of eternity, that's a miracle. And you don't understand this, but let me say it to you. The greatest miracle 
healing that has ever taken place is the fact that God stepped down from heaven through, the, through his son, Jesus Christ. He laid his hand on your body, and he healed you of your sin. That's the greatest healing. That's the greatest deliverance. That's the greatest miracle, that when you die, you don't actually die. You actually get to go to heaven with Jesus Christ. And so 2 Timothy is true. Jesus does heal you. He will heal you. But maybe, just maybe, just maybe, and this is why the Bible sometimes is frustrating, maybe your healing won't come this side of eternity. Maybe your healing comes on the other side of eternity. But I know this, God still heals people. Number two, if you're taking notes, write this down. God is also concerned about my soul. You see that in that passage. And let me go out on a limb and say this to you. He may even be more concerned with your soul. But I'm going to ask you, I'm going to step on your toes for just a second. I am 2.30, and I'll get off really quickly, off your toes, all right? But I'm asking you this question. Do you spend, don't ask, don't raise your hand, don't answer out loud, don't go, yeah, amen, or ooh, ooh, don't do any of that. Just know inside of your spirit. Do you spend more time on your earth tent or your eternal tent? See, I don't know about you, but I spend way more time on my earth tent. I go to the gym, even though it doesn't look like it. I do go to the gym. I have retirement, although I am a pastor and there's not a whole lot in there. I do have retirement. I have a savings. I try to not buy nice clothes. I try to do what's best. I spend so much time on my earth's tent. And I think sometimes God is looking down and say, yes, I'm concerned about your physical body, but I'm also concerned, church, I'm also church, 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 church. I'm also concerned about your soul. That's why the Bible says in Luke chapter 10, let me read it for you. Look, I have given you authority. Who's the you he's talking about? Point to yourself. Everybody point to yourself. If you don't point to yourself, I'll call you out. He's saying, I've given you, say me, you have authority. All of you, you have authority. You, you have authority. He's talking to you. He says this. Look, I've given you authority over the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but there is a demonic power that lives among us, and God is saying to us, he's saying to you, then and now, and will be forever for all of eternity, he's saying to you, you have, you have inside of you something more like someone who is more power than the demonic forces that attack you. Every single day. And crush them. Nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice. Listen, listen, listen to the church. Don't rejoice because the evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your name is registered in heaven. Praise God. Praise God if things work out this side of eternity. But come on, I'm going to start Jesus stepping. Praise God that I got a home in heaven for all of eternity. You don't understand me, do you? You're not following me. You're not under fully understanding. God wants to heal you this side of eternity. God will heal you this side of eternity. God desires to heal you this side of eternity. But the greatest miracle of every miracle is the fact that you have a home in heaven. Jesus Christ has a book, and it's a big old book. And guess what? The name Joey Adkins is in there. Your name is in there. That's the greatest miracle. 
that he took your sin that's inside of you and he removed it from you for all of eternity. In fact, the Bible says that he removed your sin as far as the east is from the west. And I'm not real smart. I'm from Ruskin, Florida, but I know this. That's a long ways away. That's a long distance away from each other. The third thing is this. If you're taking notes, write this down. Is God wants me to grow in my faith. Login failed. Praise Jesus. Uh, Number three, God wants me to grow in faith. Here's what I want to tell you. Listen, eyeballs on me. Listen, listen, listen. I only get to come once, so I'm coming once, and I'm giving you all I got. God wants to take you, say me, on a faith journey. He wants to take you on a faith journey. He will take you on a faith journey. He desires to take you on a faith journey. God wants to take you to places you've never been before. And God, God allows things in your life that really, 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 really do stink. They're really awful. And we spend so much of our time trying to manufacture, God, why this and why this and why this and why this and why this. But I don't know about your life, but when I look at my life, I look like at every single situation and I do this. Yeah, that makes sense, God. I understand what you were doing. Oh, that's what you were doing. Okay, I I get it now. I've looked back on every season. I've never looked back on a season in my life and go, God, what was that all about? Because he's sovereign. He is in control. And he loves you. He loves you. He desires to give you his best. And so what's interesting, with the remainder of my time together, I want to fill you in on the next two verses of James chapter 5. Because it's so interesting where, where James goes next. And if you've read the book of James, you know many times throughout James, he brings up people from the Old Testament. And he's like, hey, 2,000 years later, remember that guy? He was pretty good. Hey, remember that woman? She was pretty good. He's about ready to bring up somebody that if you read it just in James, it won't make any sense to you. And you've got to go back to the original place where it is. Let me read it in James, and then let me go back to the original place it's at. Are you following me? Am I going too fast? Are you with me? You sure? I've had coffee this morning. Back to the story. Verse 17 says this. Elijah was a human just as we are. Now, you'll skip those one, two, three, four, five, six, seven words, and you'll go, okay, cool. Of course he's human. Now, you don't understand, Elijah was known as Miracle Man. Outside of Jesus Christ, Elijah probably performed the most, the greatest, the most significant miracles ever this side of eternity. And what James is saying, you got to understand, this is a guy who grew up with Jesus. This is a guy who saw his diaper changed. Are you following me? This is a guy that saw his mom say, eat your vegetables, and Jesus said, I don't want to do the vegetable thing. He saw him. He epinosis him more than you or I will ever do this side of eternity until we get to heaven. And James says to us, Elijah is just like you. I know you think he's miracle man. I know you think that he's done all these great things. But the same, listen, church, the same faith, the same faith that allowed Elijah to perform the miracles he performed lives inside of you. You have it. You own it. You claim it. It's inside of you. You have all of the power to fix the problems that you have inside of you. But you don't have the power, but the power lives inside of you. So Elijah like, says, hey, he's, he's just like, uh, James says, Elijah's just like humans, just like every other person. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. 
Now, I don't have time to go into this story, but Elijah uh, was underneath King Ahab at this time. And King Ahab was the king, and Elijah went to King Ahab. He heard from God, and he went to King Ahab, and he said, it's not going to rain for three and a half years. And, of course, King Ahab got ticked off, and it didn't go well for him. And what James is saying is Elijah prayed that there would not be any rain. And guess what? There was no rain. And then James says, and by the way, Elijah prayed again that it would rain, and it rained. Now, you could skip right over those two verses and go, that's cool. I wish God would do that for me. Anybody want to be honest and say, I wish God would do that for me? I'll wait till a lot of people's hands are up because it's, it's all of us. It's all of us. We all, we all want that. Well, how come I, I, how come I prayed once? I prayed 100 times. I prayed 1,000 times, and God didn't fix my problem. Why Elijah's? So you got to go back to the story. If you have your Bible, turn to 1 Kings 17. Let me give you three things about this. Three things about Elijah that blew my stinking mind as I studied this. It blew me away when I studied what happened. See, I did all the work for you. That's the problem with preachers. We tend to do all the work for you, but I did all the work for you. And I went and studied, and I went to go, what is this all about? Did really, did he really, did it really rain? And did he really say, it's not going to rain? It didn't rain. And then he said, it's going to rain. And then it rained all of a sudden. Did that really happen? No. No. It was tough. It was hard. It was difficult. The same pain you're walking through right now as you walked into church today is the same pain Elijah walked through. He was having a hard time. He was having a difficult season. He didn't know what to do. All of what he said, all of what he lived rested on the fact that he was serving God, but it didn't make a whole lot of sense. And I won't ask you to raise your hand because I know it's a little awkward in church. But if you're honest with me, my hands are up, by the way. Sometimes serving God doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I don't understand it all. I don't understand why God didn't just come down here and give me like three choices. That I just need three times, God, in my lifetime where I see you face to face. I just, yes, this? I don't understand that. I don't get it. But here's the good thing. His ways aren't our ways. His thoughts aren't our thoughts. And he is a good God. He's a good father, and he loves you, and he desires the best for you. Number one is this. Faith begins with a word from God. Faith begins with a word from God. Where do you get a word from God? God's word? Now, here's the thing. This is, this is it's always also a controversial subject. God still speaks today. God still speaks to you. How many of you believe that? God still speaks to you. He doesn't speak in an audible voice most times, but he does speak. But here's the problem. See, I've been in a lot of churches. God will tell them something, and they go out and do it, but it never aligns with God's word. And so if God has told you something, if God has said to you, I want to give you a great marriage, guess what? God will give you a great marriage. If God has said to you, I want you to have the greatest career you'll ever have, and you've got a word from the Lord, you remember going to the beach, you remember getting away with the Lord, and the Lord said, this is what I have for you. And the next season you go, I don't understand why it's not working. I don't understand. You said, God, you said, you said, you said, you said. And you're there. I was there. I am there. I planted our church back in September. About a month ago, I was just in a funk. I was just like, God, 
I felt like a little bit like Adam and Eve, like, did God really say? Was it really what I was supposed to do, God? Did I really manufacture it? Let me give you the second half of that story after I read you this verse. 1 Kings chapter 18. Follow. He's praying. No rain, 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 no rain. Ticked off, mad, anger, frustration, no rain, no rain. God, when's it going to rain? You said three and a half years. We're right at that mark. Thought it was going to rain. Thought you were going to rain. Listen to verse 43 and 45. Then he said to his servant, go and look out towards the sea. Number two, write this down. Listen to this. Listen, 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 listen. Faith continues when you hold on to what he said. Some of you are here, and you had faith, but you lost faith. Your miracle will come when you hold back to that faith, when you go back to the promise that God gave you, when you go back to the original plan that God had for you. Some of you need to go back to your faith. Some of you have been relying on something that is unreliable. Go back to the promise of God. So Elijah calls his servant. He's like, hey, bro, I don't know what the deal is, but it ain't raining. And he finds himself up on Mount Carmel. Now, I've been to Mount Carmel. It's an amazing. I've been there. I was there last year this time. And I was up on Mount Carmel, and I remember seeing it. And if you don't know what Mount Carmel is, Mount Carmel is where Elijah destroyed those 400 prophets of Baal. Elijah spent this time on Mount Carmel as well. And I remember looking out on Mount Carmel, and you look out to Mount Hebron and the beautiful mountains. You can actually see the, the country of Jordan. You can see Egypt. And Mount Carmel's in the very center of Jerusalem. And you can see all of your surroundings. And Elijah finds himself up on Mount Carmel going, what the heck are you doing, God? Everybody's mad at me. Everybody's angry with me. You said this. You said this. Why are you fixing it, God? Why are you redeeming that, God? Why is it not looking like you said it was going to look like three and a half years ago? How many of you are there right now? Why, God? Why, God? Why does it look different? Why does the plan always look different than the original plan? Why? He finds himself up on Mount Carmel going, God, what are you doing? And his servant's with him. And you'll notice seven times. He tells his servant, go, go look, go look, go see if it's raining, go see if it's raining, go look. He prays, go see if it's raining. If you study the story, Elijah finds himself on Mount Carmel with his head in his knees, and he's praying. He does it for seven times. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us is that seven times in that moment, is that once a day for seven days. We don't know what it is, but we know that he prayed seven different times. He's at the point, I need to hold on to my faith. I believe the miracle's coming. I believe the healing is coming. I believe the restoration is coming. I believe the reconciliation is coming. I believe it's coming. I believe it's coming. Now I don't believe anymore. I don't know if I can trust you anymore, God. I don't know anymore. Somebody needs to write this down. You will always hear the rain before you see the rain. You will always, 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 always hear the rain before you see the rain. Always. Here's my appeal to you. Here's my encouragement to you. I don't want you to miss the rain. I don't want you to miss the blessing. 
I don't want you to miss the, the word from God. I don't, I don't want you to miss the healing. I don't want you to miss the reconciliation. I don't want you to miss the fact that God wants to perform a miracle in your life. If and only if and what if and how if and, and must if you hold to the faith. Hold to the faith. Well, I don't know if this marriage is going to work because my last one didn't work. So I just, I don't know. Hold to the faith. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you're actually going to give me the great job because my last job, you told me to leave God and it's not, it's not working. Hold to the faith. Hold to the faith. Hold to the faith. And Elijah finds himself on Mount Carmel going, God, what in the world are you doing? First Samuel, first Kings chapter 18 says this, go and look towards the sea, tells a servant. The servant went and looked. Then he returned to Elijah and said, I didn't see anything. Elijah told him to go and look again. If you get nothing, if you get nothing, this is the climactic moment of the sermon. This is the climactic moment of the service. This is the main point. This is the big idea. This is the kumbaya. Listen to me. If you find yourself up on Mount Carmel, if you find yourself looking over going, God, what are you doing? If you find yourself up on Mount Carmel going, I don't understand, God. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Why did you lead me this way? If you find yourself doing, listen, listen, go back and look. Look at what? The promise of God. 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 Hope Church, I don't want you to lose faith. I want you to believe again. God wants to believe again. He's ready to put his faith instiller in your body and amp you up, stick it into your veins, and fill your life up with faith because faith is what gives you the life that you desire. It's faith. Why doesn't God come down three times in your lifetime? Because he wants you to have faith. Why doesn't God heal you like this? He wants you to have faith. That is why, listen, that is why, that is why you always have to go back and look to the promise of God. What is the promise? What is the promise? Go back and look at the promise of God. God. Finally, the seventh time his servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising up from the sea. Then Elijah shouted, hurry, hurry, hurry to Ahab. Go, go, climb in your chariot. Go back home. If you don't in hurry, the rain will stop you. Listen, you've went back and looked at the promise. You've went back and looked. You've went back and checked it out. You went back and glanced. You've spent some time back at the promise, and you go back to the promise, and you go, God, I don't see anything. What happened for Elijah? He didn't see rain. Are you following me, church? Are you following me? Church, are you following me? He didn't see the rain. He heard the rain. He heard the rain. He didn't see it. It wasn't in his eyes. It didn't fall in his head. It didn't fall in his ears. He didn't have to put his raincoat on. He didn't need an umbrella. He didn't see the rain, but he heard the rain coming. He heard it coming. He heard it coming. The Bible says there was a cloud in the sky. you got to understand they didn't see clouds for three and a half years. And this cloud, and, and, and Elijah's servant's kind of looking. Like, oh, my God, it's a cloud. Oh, my word. It's seven times, but there's a cloud. He runs back to Elijah. Elijah! Elijah, listen, listen, listen. 
there's rain coming. You saw rain? No? How do you know the rain's coming? I just, I just hear it. I hear it. I hear it. I, I see the cloud. I, I see it right there. I see it. I see it. Elijah says, go back and tell Ahab. Go back and tell Ahab that the rain is coming. Point number three, write this down. Write this down. Number three is, write it down. It's going to come up on the screen. Faith goes from a small beginning to a grand finale. Faith always starts from a small beginning and ends with a great finale. Now, I'm going to leave you faith frustrated, okay? Is that okay? Is that okay with you? I'm going to leave you a little frustrated. I'm going to jack up your theology for just a second, all right? I'm going to mess it up just for a second, but it's going to lead back to Jesus Christ. God loves the small beginnings. He loves them. He desires them. He relishes in them. It's the amazing moment of God when we start out and set out to have, listen, faith again. Believe again. Hope again. Desire again. Step out again. It is in that moment. Are you following me? It's in that moment where God says, now I can do something. Now I can go with you. Now I can believe with you. Now I can help you. Now I can lead you. Because faith is the antidote to every movement of God. It's the key. It's the medicine. It's the directive. It's the leading. It's adding a little bit of faith to your life. Verse 45 says this. And soon the sky was black with clouds, and here it comes. A heavy wind brought terrific rainstorm, and Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. Ahab jumped in his chariot, and he goes, really? It's coming? Are you serious? All right, let's go. And Ahab jets out. He leaves for Jezreel. He gets on his chariot. He's got eight horses in front of him, and he takes off for Jezreel. Because how many of you know, because we live in Florida, when it rains, it rains. I don't know if you guys had it over here. On our side of the state, we had some rain the other day. I mean, we had a pond in our church, and it's like overflowing, and it was empty. I mean, we had some rain. And how many of you know, when you see the black clouds in the sky, you got about five minutes to get to safety. You know that about Florida? You better get some safety. And they go tell Ahab, it's coming. I see him. It's coming. It started here. It's here. It's here. It's here. It's here. Ahab, Ahab takes off. He's gone. He's, he's, he's cruising for safety. Listen to this. It's so funny. Then, verse 46, then the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. He tucked his cloak in his belt and ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. You don't get it, do you? You don't understand it, do you? Let me, let me read it again. Let me read it again. Listen to this. Then the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. He tucked his cloak. Now, that's a little bit weird. He wore a dress, but that's a whole other topic, okay? He tucked his cloak into his belt. He did what? Got in a chariot? Got in his key optima? That's what I drive because I'm a poor pastor. Got, got in his BMW, got into his minivan, called Uber, got a cab. No, God gave him special strength, and he ran. Ahead of Ahab's chariot, all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. All the way, all the way. 
to the entrance of Jezreel. All the way. Zechariah 4.10 says this, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work complete. Did I read that right? To see the work. Come on, church. I know you can read. It's a small word. What is that? Come on, everybody. See the work? Begin. Listen. Somebody come up here and start playing. Here's the deal. Here's the reality. We love the grand finale. We love that's all right, just focus right here. I know, I know I distracted everybody. We love, we love when we get healed of cancer. We love, we love when our marriage is all we thought it would be. We love, we love when God gives us that job we want to have, that six-figure income, maybe seven figures, depending on if you like seven better than six. And we love it. Like, oh, God, it was all for this moment. And we sit in there, we dance, we love it. Do we not? Come on, church, do we not? Here's how the mind of Christ works. He relishes in the fact that the faith has begun. The faith has begun. He relishes in the idea that you now believe again. You believe the rain's coming. I don't want you to miss the rain. I don't want you to miss the blessing. I don't want you to miss the healing. I don't want you to miss that. Go back and look. You say, I did yesterday. Go back and look again today. Well, I already did an hour ago. Go back and look again. You go back to the promise of God. Go back to what God told you. Go back to the directive of God. Go back to the love that God has for you. Go back to the thing that God said over your life. God loves when the faith begins. But here's the beautiful thing. Here's what I know. When the faith begins, the faith also completes. Amen? Amen? Church, amen? Come on. When the faith begins, the faith also ends. Go back and look again. Bow your head and close your eyes with me.